You are listening to 11 O'Clock Comics, Episode 10. Woohoo! Hello and welcome to 11 O'Clock Comics. I am the jet-lagged Vince B. <laughs> I am uh, Christopher Neesman. I'm the already buzzed David Price. And I'm Ben Grimm. Well, you, we, we'll call you the tardy-ass Ben Grimm because you, <laughs> you, 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 you dragged your sorry ass in here 10 minutes 11 late. 11 O'Clock Comics, not 1108 Comics. That's right. We, I was discloped. Yeah. Close to getting Mike Sims on the thing. In fact, I had his name clicked in the Skype list. I was like, I'm going to get Mike in. That's it. We'll fix his ass. <laughs> oh, shit. He's a quick businessman. You know, it's fast turnaround time. You are allowed to call me or email me if you're worried about me. Oh, yeah. We can do that, but that would be too easy. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be common sense and consideration. Come on now. It was, it was easier to start looking for a replacement. <laughs> <laughs> I had well, to reboot. Sorry. Today, today's dump on Wood Day, I guess. Uh, yeah. Dude, the market dumped all over me all day, so you don't need to. Uh, well, that's okay. The uh, plunge protection uh, team will get their, their butts in there and make everything all right. All right. That's what they do. Just print more. That's what happens. Well, should, we, uh, should we get the, uh, the drink roll call out of the way here? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> what's up with that? What is well, that? Be- because I feel bad because I drink the same shit every week. Uh, so make, make shit up. I, I like to be spontaneous. <laughs> okay, in in the words of the immortal Ike Willis, I am Drinkum, the George Killiam Red. Oh. Yes, Swillum. I'm Swillum in it. Okay. <laughs> Mr. Price? Uh, oh, I, I swallowed. I finished off some cranberry juice when I got home. <laughs> so I had, hey, hey, I don't, 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 don't spit it out, man. That, that, that's wasteful. <laughs> I uh, I I had to finish off some cranberry juice, so I threw some vodka in there. But I'm I'm uh, I'm having a uh, Negro Modelo and a uh, in one hand and some uh, Scotch and ginger ale in the other. Hey now, wow, Negro nice. Negro Modelo is that like black model? It's uh, it's 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 imported from Mexico, oh, and it's yeah. it is a dark beer. It's the only dark beer that I really like. Wow, it's very tasty, nice. It's a tasty beer. I uh-huh. really enjoy that. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 the comic connection. Not before I get to Chris is, uh, I actually I had it for the first time at Flat Iron Joe's, the uh, the bar that Casada used to own. Then and I had it the first. And the first time I had it was at the uh, Mike Waringo tribute back in August. 
Wow, look at you. That's very nice. Mr. Wood? I am drinking a black and tan right now. Okay. Very tasty. Mm -hmm. Homemade, I might add. Wow. Oh, oh, very nice. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm drinking a nice big old glass of water. I'm I'm drying out, guys. (laughs) Shit. Well, if you could have seen him friggin' Friday night. (sighs) I'm, I'm... I'm 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 not the I'm not the young man I used to be. I'm 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 needing uh needing a couple days off here. Damn. <laughs> I got uh I got Fourth of July staring me in the face here and uh so yeah, I was like, you know what? I think I'm just gonna have to go glass of water tonight. Damn. So um I I'm still cranky. I may not be drunk and cranky, but Oh the show's um, gonna suck now. Nah. Chris, what's the world coming to with a sober Neesman? Damn. Chris's brilliance will guide us through the darkness. Shit. I thought his, I thought the bourbon fueled his brilliance and rage. Oh, it's a natural thing. It did. That's what you're going to find out tonight. So. <laughs> but uh, we we had a wonderful, wonderful time at the Wizard World Chicago for 2008. It was it was a really good time? It was yeah, good to see, brother. It. Yeah, it was. It, great. it could it couldn't have been that great. Well, no, I was there. Dan wasn't there. Wood wasn't there. We we did feel bad for absent friends, but the ones that we did hang out with. Um, Mike and Amy Sims, mm-hmm. Ms. Matt and Sarah Kramer, All right. Dave Wachter. Mm-hmm. Wachter, oh my God. <laughs> Mr. Loika. I don't think I've done the shocker more than than I have this weekend. Every time. Wait, I- you, mean, you mean physically or just the hand gesture? No, just, just you know, dry, oh, okay. a dry run, so to speak. Okay. But uh, yeah, it, it, it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, we had a lot of uh, a lot of drinks, a lot of. Co- I tell you, they were they were literally. It started on Friday in the dealers' room, but by the time Sunday rolled around, it snowballed, and they were literally giving things away. <laughs> I know. I call. I called you because I had uh, I had to leave the convention. Uh, a little a little early and you're like yeah everything is gone everything that was like 50 percent off is like 50 percent off that they had mm-hmm. uh, uh went through uh this one booth that had uh five dollar trades and ten dollar hardcovers <sighs> and you know not not just not just the regular premier hardcovers i picked up uh david you'd be proud of me i picked up uh the entire annihilation the, awesome. the three volumes awesome. for thirty bucks total. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Going to Chicago next year, no doubt. No, I, yeah. I'm I'm not kidding. He he he's not exaggerating. The the prices were insane. If they always have been. Every I mean, I I scored a lot of trades last year and, and the year before that, and yeah, they, they, it's like I don't know what it is about Chicago where it's like dealers are all of a sudden like, all right, we just got to get rid of all our trades and hardcovers. It, it was like cr- the crazy eddy of comics. I heard that uh, DCB Service had quarter bins full of stuff, basically everything that's been published in the last two, three years. Yeah, yep. always and have. And then it became ten, ten for a buck on Sunday. Yep, ten yeah. for a dollar. Wow. Oh, I, I remember the first, the first Chicago we went to. Uh, Dan and, and Vince were shooting me dirty looks because I picked up the uh, the first was the six issues of Desolation Jones for like five or six bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, whatever happened to that book, by the way? Oh, don't get me started. What? what? <laughs> I, I don't like one issue into a story arc. Yes, yeah. yes. That uh, Daniel Zelez or Zelage or whatever was drawing it, and then mm-hmm. it just it just went away. 
You know, and shame on me because I could have asked him that this weekend because I yes. bumped into him. And instead of saying, are you having a nice time in Chicago, I should have said, where the fuck is Desolation Jones? <laughs> and he'd have told you to blame, maybe, uh, blame the artist like he always does. It was, it, it, it was very funny. Chris and I were walking out of the restaurant and Warren Ellis and his filthy assistant were sitting on the, on the, on the, on the park bench. Filthy meeting. Good-looking, filthy, dirty. No, girl. That, well, that's, no, that's what he calls them. Right. If you're an assistant, you're a filthy assistant. Right. I'm, oh. I'm just riffing on the Spider Jerusalem uh, transmet thing, but she oh, was okay. very attractive and a redhead. I, I usually gravitate towards redheads. She was v- very attractive. But anyway, he's sitting on the park bench smoking, and, and Chris walks by. He goes, hey, how you doing? Like if he's known him for like 10 years. Like, hey, how you doing? And Warren Ellis is like, yeah. Oh, he was very pleasant. He was. He looked like he was beat. It, yeah. uh, I think they had him running pretty pretty hard. Was that, was that Friday? Uh, I think that was Saturday. Okay. Yeah, because he was up, I know, like really late on Friday because they had him yeah. at the, the speaking engagement at like 9.30 um, Chicago time, which is like, what, like 3 in the morning in England? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so well, he I, was probably, I can't imagine. Hmm? He was probably getting ripped all weekend for uh, for spearheading that Didio rumor that clearly was false. So. Oh, <laughs> you yeah, know, Ellis I, broke that thing on his blog, which got everybody a buzz that there was something to it. So, yeah. Well, he yeah. never specifically said the deal. Well, no, he didn't. That's he just true. he just implied. He didn't yell fire <laughs> in a crowded theater. No, you he know? just poured the gasoline. And and then on Sunday, Pat uh, Loika, Dave, and um, Scott Cedarland and I were, um, and that British guy. What's his name again? I can never Nick, remember. Nick T. Oh, Nick. Nick. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, yeah he um, is. He's, he's so awesome, I can't remember his name. But <laughs> Sorry, he doesn't listen. We're, we're sitting in the lounge, and Ellis walks in with his filthy assistant behind him, carrying a box of his stuff. And carrying I guess, her box? And I, I guess the, the, down es- the up escalator was either broken or they shut it off during the day. And he was complaining that, that he at the prospect of walking up the steps to get to his room. So he walks around the whole lobby of the Hyatt. And if you've been to the Hyatt, you know the lobby of the, of the Hyatt's pretty damn big. Yeah. So he, he literally walked three times the distance of the steps in order to not walk up the steps. <laughs> and, you know, complaining all the way. He's awesome. I, I like Warren Ellis. I like him a lot. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he looked like he was having a pretty good time there. And he was definitely the, the guest of honor at Avatar. Their booth was huge it was probably probably the biggest um publisher booth there really it was like square footage and yeah because they had uh, well it was like three times the size of the actual booth was mm-hmm. the uh, the roped off areas that they had for the signings i mean he was signing like five and six hours a day yeah nice uh, yeah. Do, you, do you guys read the avatar books yep you know there's one i uh i want to talk about tonight did you guys pick up no hero this week yeah i just got it today no, not yet. Uh, so it's just the the zero issue, which actually I believe does act as a, a number one issue. Uh, I think it was a buck, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was a yeah. buck, and uh, uh, real similar to um, um, uh, Black Summer, in in that it's it's Warren Ellis and Juan Jose uh, Reap. Is it is it is it Rip? Yeah, I think it's Rip. Yeah, yeah it's a uh, same same writer artist team of black summer um good though i enjoyed it uh interesting premise so uh um 
you got a spare buck and you're at the the comic shop pick up uh, pick up no hero. Well, Wait. providing it was ordered because it's an Avatar book and it, you know it's not a mainstream book, so there's all this talk and and rightfully mm-hmm. so that a lot of uh, a lot of shops either under order or I mean and this is a topic for later, but either under order or just don't order enough. They order enough to cover the pull list of of indie books. I don't know too many shops that actually sell a lot of Avatar books unless they are ordered. Even with all their countless variant covers, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, well I think in, in Dark Tower we get a little we get a little um, spoiled because Mark really carries uh, an even balance between indie and Marvel DC. And, he's the uh, man. He is actually Vince got to see Dark Tower for the first time. Oh, weekend. you bastard! I did. Nice. It's awesome. Was it? It, 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 it's a lot. It's it, it's nice. It's really nice. The setup is cool. They have books on both sides of the wall, and it's it's not wide, but it's long, which is really neat. Nice. Okay. Yeah, lot, That's lot, what she said. Very nice. <laughs> no, no, I'm neither. <laughs> I, I'm neither wide nor long. But uh, was uh, like, oh, I, why is Rip starting a new book when they didn't finish? Black, I was just going to ask Black you Summer. That. <laughs> I would I would ask. imagine that Black Summer is probably finished. They just haven't released it, but who knows? Who knows? It's, you know, you know they want to finish Black Summer because as soon as they do, they're going to make a trade of that sucker. So well, I mean, they're just they're just sitting on money there. I, I like how it became bi-monthly towards the end of the run. It started off; it came yeah. out pretty quickly. Well, Jesus, yeah. if, if you draw every nose hair on every character, yeah, I know we don't have to get time. into that. I know, I know. You're well, right. How are, the, how are the Avatar books? I mean, I haven't read any of them, so how what are they? I've read, I've liked. Um, the, Ellis's stuff kind of run hot and cold with it. Uh, what, did Creasy? It, or is is it Crease? However you say that, that oh, was, was that was through Avatar, right? Yeah, yeah. Creasy was fucking awesome. Yes, it, it was. is. It is um, a really amazing uh, historical look at uh, at a battle in in British history, and kind of when the uh, uh, was the the longbowman became a force in in the the world of um of military strategy and it was kind of like the first big british victory over the over the french and um uh, the the soldier that you follow through that book is kind of breaking the fourth wall he's kind of looking at at the the viewer and kind of telling and narrating what's going on and he knows that you are in the future watching this battle and so it's a very, a very interesting um, way of kind of, of narrating and, and, and bringing you along in the story. But but Crazy was is awesome. Uh, his zombie book, um, Black Gas, was okay, but nothing um, super inventive about right. it. Um, I haven't read the, I haven't really read the other ones except for uh, Black Summer and and uh, now No Hero. Uh, Vince, have you read Doc, Doc Sleepless? Yes, I, I love Doctor Sleepless. And uh, what's the it other? Starts one? off slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. But I, I will say one thing about Doctor Sleepless: the the art could be a little bit better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But on Gravel, which is another excellent book, uh, one of El- Warren Ellis's combat magicians, uh, in in the vein of Constantine, only mixed with maybe a little bit of Cable, sort mm-hmm. of. You know, <laughs> sort of, but uh, the. Gravels drawn by the dude that does the wraparound covers for Doctor Sleepless, the the, the those intense, really um, dense line work. Uh, he's another in the in the rip vein. He he draws everything in a scene and renders just every little bottle and and it's very cool to look at. But uh, 
Yeah, Gravel, artistically, Gravel's the better book in terms of the, the line art and, and the visuals, but uh, conceptually, I like Dr. Sleepless better because he, it seems like that's the book that Ellis is throwing his heart and his soul into. Mm-hmm. It's this mixture of a mishmash of technology and, and future speak and, and society's reliance on technology and a man who can disrupt everything at the blink of an eye. It's a really great book. I didn't like Black Ass at all. No, at aside all? from no, not at all. It just was like ho hum, you know, whatever. Well, I mean, it was it was kind of like well, it was it was a zombie book. It yeah, didn't really invent anything or bring anything new to it. But I thought it was a good zombie zombie tale. Well, I didn't read the second one, so yeah, I didn't hate it. It was just like I, not one of those ones that's going to be very memorable, unlike Walking Dead. Oh. <laughs> so wait, so, so so we're leaving Avatar? No, we're not leaving Avatar. I was just gonna drop a little clue, but later on we'll talk about it. Um, what else? What else? I, uh, there's I, well, wolf, I mean, I know that. Uh, yeah, so Avatar seems to have. I mean, they don't they don't promote their artists a lot as much as they do Ellis or say Garth Ennis. But and and who who writes Night of the Living Dead? I, I don't even know who the writer of that book is. I know that nope. scumbag John Russo does some of it. Okay. Uh, well, I don't know what that's about. That, that's, uh, about that's about dicking over Romero for the rights to the... Oh, get out of here. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to... And he, 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 he was involved in the remake of Night of the Living Dead. Have you ever seen that travesty? That piece of <laughs> shit? Wow. Don't, sh- don't sugarcoat it. Tell me how you really feel. Something here. What they did was they took because uh, Night of the Living Dead is public domain because Romero wasn't speci- wasn't exacting enough in the copyright, or either he didn't know what he was supposed to do in order to retain the rights to his. Is movie. that true? I didn't know that. Really? No, that's yeah. That's why whenever you go to a DVD store, you will see ten versions of Night of the Living Dead by ten different uh, publishing houses because everybody can put it out. It's it's mm-hmm. public domain, and. Um, what Russo did was he and John Hinsman too, the guy that's the cemetery zombie in the beginning, the one where uh, they uh, Barbara's brother says he's coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, and you say, mm-hmm. That's John Hinsman. Uh, what they did was they took the footage from Night of the Living Dead and they they added new scenes with this ridiculous preacher in in the in the style of Anton Zandor Levey and Debbie Rashan as a as a newscaster that's just horrible they 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 recast the cemetery zombie as a pedophile it's like all this shit that did never had to be shoehorned into the original night of living dead it's horrible mm. it makes my blood boil when i think about it but yeah so john russo's a scumbag <laughs> all right yeah i, I can get behind I, I i will never buy a night of the living dead book that has anything to do with that man. Okay. Wow. Yeah. There you go. So who who besides Ellis and and Garth then is writing for? Wow, that for was Avatar. intense, wasn't it? I'm sorry about that. That was awesome, dude. Uh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know how many people are going to write on the forum about that now? And what's the forum address anyway? Bullpenbulletinspodcast.com forward slash forum, or if you want to do it the the newfangled David A. Price way. You can do forum.bullpenbulletinspodcast.com, and you can you can read all the beautiful threads, the wonderfully engaging threads we have there, and then you can go over to CGS Forum and read the good ones that friggin' Wood starts over there. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know what? Oh, kumbaya, Vince, kumbaya. I know. I, I sent him a message today. I said, hey, 
How about starting them on over on your own form, shithead? <laughs> he writes back. He goes, LOL or something. I was just kidding him because I love him. <laughs> yeah, no, you always heard. Yeah, I admit that was a good, a good thread, though. Oh shit, it was a great thread, and and the see that their their traffic just lends itself to good discussion. When you have Steve Bryant in yes. a conversation about creators' rights and what can we do to improve books, and exactly, and, and the process of actually putting together and marketing and selling and profiting what little there is on a on an independently produced comic. Steve Bryant right. is one of the man, one of yes. the men who knows his shit, and, there, and, and that's why is. I mean. Yeah, in all honesty, that's why, as you know, that thread started in at CGS because it was really an offshoot of Steve's thread. So I just right, it was right. organic and no, uh, I'm just I'm just riding you. That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because I, I just love it. Mm-hmm. Well, but back to Chicago a little bit. Um, what else? Uh, there was there was a couple of funny things that happened during the day mm-hmm. on fr- on Friday. We got to be specific about that because, as Chris will tell you. Things turned very, very somber on Saturday. But because of yeah. be, be, before we get into the into the the gloom, uh, gloomy okay. stuff, uh, I was sitting in the in the lobby, and this guy dressed as one of the Guardians of the Universe walked by. This little portly man, <laughs> bald headed, he was almost waddling. You know, do, 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 here comes this guy, and I said, "Hey, when the hell did Bendis switch sides?" Oh, 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 nice. Because, <laughs> I mean, you would swear it was Bendis. <laughs> well, then, all right, so on the flip side, then, why don't you tell them about, uh, who, I think you when, you, when I spoke to you, you said uh, you wanted to know who this kid was that raided, that, uh, that raided a conversation with another well-known creator. And I believe uh, it was oh. reminded you who, who, or told you who this creator was. I'm a little lost. Jeff Johns. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, see, I, I haven't. I didn't know what Jeff Johns looks like. And and Chris is very chummy with Greg Rucka. We all know that because of the man love he shares for him. But so so Chris is talking to Rucka, and as we're walking away, he goes, "How about that?" And I said, "What? What?" I said, "Who's that kid that that?" <laughs> That Ruck is talking to. He goes, "Kid, that's friggin' Jeff Johns." I was like, "Get out of here!" It was. We were with. Uh, we were with Chris Marshall out in like the the main entryway into the uh, into the convention center. I'm dying and, to meet him. He is such good people. Oh, he's awesome. Oh, yes. And and, and uh, uh, Chris Marshall says, "Oh, hey, there's uh, uh, there's Greg over there. He was going through the uh, to the exhi- uh, exhibitor check in." And Chris said, "Oh, hey, you know, I wonder where he's going to be later because I brought." The Queen and Country Definitive Editions. And wait, wait, wait. So, 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 did the battery die on your Rucka locator? How is Chris Marshall telling you <laughs> that there's Greg exactly. Rucka? Exactly. I have my defenses down, but uh, and I was like, "Well, come on, just let's just go over there, and he'll be fine if we don't make a big deal about it, and and he'll sign him." And so we we go over there, and yeah, there's this this guy with a flash hat that he's that he's talking to, <laughs> and I I notice right away that it's that it's John's, but I'm not going to like make a big deal about it. And I never met him, but you know, so I, so I, you know, introduced Chris to Greg, and Greg signs his books, and then we just walk away, and uh, and yeah, it was it was kind of funny. I had no idea, absolutely. <laughs> and, and another funny thing during the podcasting panel, which was a lot of fun, very cool. Uh, nice Nat- job, by the way. Uh, yes. Yeah, you did good, buddy. I don't Who think knows? so, but anyway, it's all right. Uh, sitting next to Sal because I love him. And I don't know what the question was or, or why I said it, but I, di- I, I let fly with the old Chris Neesman is the best 
man oh, yeah. in podcasting. Sal, because- Sal wanted to know how you how did Chris agree to our format? Oh, okay, okay. And, and I said that Chris is the best man in podcasting, the best podcaster in the world, something like that. It's ridiculous. And, and no, it's not. And right in the middle of <laughs> no, right in the middle of the proceedings, as the thing is going on, Sal leans over to me and he goes, "What does Chris's dick taste like?" <laughs> <laughs> And and, and and it was all I could do. I, I, oh. I, that's awesome. Why did Sal forget what it tasted like? No, and I said, I said, Sal, it's delicious. It that's really great. is. Yeah, great. Great. Oh, awesome. It was, it was good. But, the podcast uh, panel was a lot of fun. During one of the points mm-hmm. that Suntress was talking, so we didn't hear you. Yeah. <laughs> one of Hey, John knows his shit. He really does. Oh, my God. Seriously, not for nothing. And and this is, and and Wood and I have been kind of, not going back and forth, but Wood and I were discussing this on on another thread, but but John released, and I believe the second part came out today, but John was releasing... uh, a uh, an interview he did with Brubaker and Fraction that I'm that I'm just dying laughing through the whole way through. Now John really is good people. I mean seriously. Yeah. And and, yep. and you know they they kind of chuckle whenever he's in a group of people and he'll start talking about things but it, because oh here come here comes John again. But it, the fact is the guy knows a lot of stuff yes. about a lot of yep. stuff. Yeah. Yep. So yep. Uh, well, and also he's net neutrality. Yeah, he's also the only comics podcaster that's at least attempting to really make a living out of it. Yeah. Man. I mean, this is pretty much what he does no, for a living, No, right? the, the, the iFanboy guys are, are really the ones that are um, that are going full bore and trying to uh, trying to, because John, I mean, John still, you know, has a, has a radio job here in Chicago. It, it, oh, he does? If you want to look at the, yeah. the serious guys, the iFanboy guys are really serious about about making a go of it. And But they, and all, they all have full-time jobs, don't they? Um, I say I'm always the full, full-time job. Yeah, because yeah. revision, it's revision three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whatever that means. <laughs> um, it's inter- internet TV. It's, uh, uh, see, I, I don't. It's one of those things I don't listen. I don't watch. Yep. yep. That's yeah. good. But, I like uh, it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah but, the Boy guys are—they're—they're they're trying to make a go of it. So good for them. More power yeah, to them. As much as you can. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you know, I will say, John has very good professionally sounding voice for broadcasting he's he's a pro yeah i think he's got the second best voice in in comics podcast <laughs> yeah we all know who you think the first is and, and it helps Sal. that no you <laughs> yeah okay and and it helps that that john is from the times i've i've talked to him and and hung out with him it, he's a genuinely nice guy you know there's nothing fake really about him at all no no pretense at all well, do you want to get to uh, kind of the happenings of Friday night? Uh, why don't you do that? Because I, yeah. I, I've taken up enough airtime. I'll just I'll interject when I when I think I'm needed. How about that? Okay. And, you know, Wizard World is is always a a, a fun time. It, it's a it's a good show, and and being out in oh. Rosemont, a lot of people. Oh, did I go quacking on everybody? No, no. It's just somebody's clipping their toenails again or something. No, I don't know. Uh, no that was sorry. A bottle cap flew. My bad. Awesome. Oh. <laughs> I'm getting thirsty. Maybe I maybe I do need a beer. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> but uh 
one of the things that people talk about Chicago is, and, and in a bad way is that it's out in Rosemont. And, and Vince really, uh, uh, we got to give him the nickel tour of Chicago, and I think he really does realize how far out of Chicago that show is. But um, one of the nice things about it is that everyone ends up at the, the Hyatt Bar after the, after the show closes down. And so it's, it's a big, wide-open lobby and then bar, and you end up with you know, literally hundreds of fans and creators and industry pros after, after hours and, and really well into, into the next day's morning sometimes. And um, we're, we're downstairs and, and having a good time, and everyone's laughing and drinking and, uh, and just having a, having a fun, regular Chicago Friday night at the convention. And um, you know, all of a sudden, it's like this, this cloud starts to go through the crowd and and the news about Michael Turner um, comes down and you you literally in a matter of seconds saw people go from laughing and joking around to literally bawling and yes. and just gasp of disbelief and it's and not just fans I mean there were what was what was really almost surreal about it is that you had people that were really good close friends of his finding out right there in front of you and i mean it's been a, it's been a tough year losing creators you know waringo and steve gerber i mean it was tough to lose those guys and both of them really well before their time especially especially waringo but i think the difference for me anyway is that i found out about that on newsarama or, or from a, an email from a friend. And so that's a kind of like a personal um, solitary thing where you find this out. And then here, finding out about Michael Turner with several hundred people that a lot of them knew him was a really, um, I mean, it, it, it's something I'm not going to forget anytime soon. Right, with, right. Um, because on, on, when you hear about things like that, on the on the internet when you don't hear it when you read about things like that on the internet and you can see the fallout from the replies to the message it doesn't have the emotional intensity that a, a real honest to god person who this affects personally because they knew him right right, right next to you uh, it, it's it it made me reevaluate my the way I'm going to express my ideas on, on the net from now on, because I'll, I'll be honest, it, it sucks when you re reevaluate somebody's life in the wake of their death. I mean, the guy was, I won't say he was not a favorite of mine. I did respect his, his skill and, and his obvious talent, but I, I, there was, you know, things about his art that didn't speak to me personally. I'm not saying he was bad, but I, I, I never went out of my way to buy things that he did. But uh, to go online and demean a person's art and, and just, uh, is, it, is it worth the, the, the couple seconds that you took to type out your, your, your individual thoughts on someone's art and have them read it? Is one thing, but when a guy's going through chemo, now I, you know I'm a member of that club. I know I can approximate what the guy went through. Uh, number one, hearing bad things about more toenails, 
hearing bad things about <laughs> your art. cracking. Oh, that's all right. Hearing bad things about your art is is tough to take alone. But but when you, when you when you your outlook on life is is unknown, you don't know whether you're going to come through this disease and you're going through these treatments, and and it, it's it's hard, you know. And it, it, it's multiplied when you have these people who pretty careless and i'm guilty of it myself i, I admit i have if greg land died tomorrow i would feel like shit mm -hmm. so f i'm gonna think three times the next time I, I i feel the need to get online and 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 waste my two minutes and and impact someone's life negatively just because i may not understand or like their art it, it's not worth it it's really not tell you what i learned is that you know yeah re regardless of how you like someone's art or their writing or whatnot the, the comics community, the community of creators, is a family, and right. they lost a family member because after that happened, for me, the rest of the weekend while I was there, it it definitely had an effect on on the show. And mm -hmm. even on Saturday morning, the people that had turned in early on Friday night that were finding out, it was it was kind of like, you know, all over again. You know, you're seeing people as they're just, just finding out about it, and we're a wreck. But just how tight-knit, whether it was Marvel or DC or, or whatever independent books, I mean, they lost a member of their family. And mm. um, it was... Uh, I will. I will remember that convention for that happening, and uh, you know, you know, um, thoughts and prayers to his to his family and his you know many many friends. Obviously, so you know, it's been a tough year for uh, for comics in in that regard. We uh, we've lost uh, lost a lot of good ones. Yeah, just remember that everyone that produces a comic book is one of us, whether you like it or not. Yeah, they're a person. They're, you know, you may so so great. So now you feel better because you belittled some. I mean, they, they're. I mean, when it, the way I look at things is that if if I if I'm not a fan of someone's art, and like you just mentioned, Greg Land, or and there are things. I mean, there are a lot of covers. Actually, recent covers. Uh, he did. Uh, there was a sketch cover, I think, for uh, Superman, Batman that uh, that Turner did. There was a. Uh, there's a upcoming there's a wolverine cover i mean he's done covers that i've i've you can tell that he's enthusiastic to do this that there is something behind the cover even if even if there's something about it that i may not like it's still a person that did this and you so here here's someone who's who's working in a field that i would love to be in there's no way. How am I going to knock that? How, how can I? How can I say? Okay, well, you know, this this ear on Batman's a little long, or what's up with Supergirls? You know, why is her torso so big? Who the fuck cares? And it doesn't really matter in the grand it scheme does it, of things no. anyway. Right, right. There, when when I said that he was one of us, meaning he was one of the comics community, he he, he was one of our flesh and blood. So is it worth? Are your thoughts that important that you have to make them? real by putting them on a message board and and making someone's life a little less enjoyable mm -hmm. it, it's not it's not worth it it's really not well, no it's I, not. I, I think you're totally right but i think the, the thing that we could do more of more naturally is be positive about the things we actually love absolutely I think, I think the one thing that and i'm like you said vince i'm as guilty of this as everybody here but um you know as active members of forums uh, and not just comics, but but any other interest you might have. Um, it's just so much easier to bitch and moan 
and it seems like it's always been that way. I mean, you know, that's why there are complaints departments at department oh, stores. Yeah. You know, but, but no, but, but no compliments, right? You know, okay. <laughs> and and at the risk of being cliche, I mean, there's really some truth to that. Um, I wanted to say, you know, we talked a little bit last week about um, some of the books that we were really digging and how sad it was that they seemingly aren't selling that well. And Chris mentioned spur of the moment um, when I brought up Proof. You know, he said, "Hey, you know, any listeners out there that are enjoying books like Proof, the creators would really love to hear it." because it is a labor of love and they're not getting rich off this stuff. And you'd be surprised what those words can do to spur them on. And, um, you know, I heeded his advice and I went over to the image forums, logged on, went to the proof sub form and just dropped a quick note saying, hey guys, I just wanted to let you know, I love the stuff, love the first trade, keep up the good work. You know, we mentioned you on, on our show, mm-hmm. but I uh, just wanted to say thanks for, for putting out a really great entertaining comic. And, you know, within... Probably, what, a half hour, I'd say, um, the writer and the artist both chime in saying how much they really appreciated that, how, you know, it has been a, a labor of love and it's it's been frustrating. You know, the sales have been frustrating, but it's great to know that there are people out there enjoying the book. And I think they sent they sent us or at least a couple of us an email directly saying, hey, we listen to the show. Thanks a lot. So yeah. I really think it's perfectly natural. And I think, okay, actually, if you don't like something um, as a fan to express that in a constructive way, but I just think that there really is something that if you're going to bitch and moan about something, take the mental time to find something you want to praise to at least balance it out, you know, find a balance and equilibrium. Right. Yeah. Like Eric Larson is, is pretty notorious for speaking his mind to people who come with, come to him for portfolio reviews. Mm-hmm. Now, now I think in that case, a little bit of, Verbal brutality is going to serve that artist really, really well in in, in their career because it, it it's something it's a goal it's something to attain to 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 Neil improve. Adams Neil Adams had a a, a famous um, meetings with Frank Miller early in in Frank Miller's career where Neil Adams kind of like kept sending him you know with his with his tail between his legs after portfolio reviews right right yeah i mean it's only going to help the artist but i mean there are some instances where it doesn't do you guys ever hear the story of tower comics a a a young uh steranko took a portfolio of his work to uh the editor-in-chief of tower comics where wally wood did the uh Thunder, Thunder, Agents. Thunder Agents, yeah. Right. So and and the guy was brutal. He he ravaged it, merciless, just tore it apart. And Steranko said, "Screw this!" Went down the street to Marvel, and they they just picked him up right then and there. And Nick Fury was born. Oh, well, wow. you know, so you don't. There are some. How could you ever find anything, you know, to complain that much about Steranko's mm-hmm. work? Even if he was green, the guy still sure. had, you know, back. Yeah, the, uh, you know, you you were talking about uh, uh, Larson. Boy, was he looking like he was just having a great time at the convention. Oh yeah, yeah. Did, did you? <laughs> yeah, he's did you stepping talk to down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He he, um, he was talking to a, a group of us on Friday night. He's like, "Yeah, if you can keep a secret for about twelve hours here, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm stepping down tomorrow." And I'm just like, "Wow!" I think Sal and I were uh, were talking with him, and uh, he seemed really, really excited about it. He's looking forward to getting back to doing Savage Dragon monthly, and I think there's some other stuff that he's got in the you know in the works. But yeah, he seemed genuinely in enthused and excited about getting back uh, to the drawing board and uh his and baby. i guess yeah i guess eric stevenson has been has really kind of been doing the job for a while mm-hmm. now so it, it, people that love image don't i don't think there's anything to be worried about no i don't think so either 
Be very, very quiet. I'm hunting a webin o'clock comics. <laughs> no, I was just going to say that last year at MoCA, they had, I guess for about a month, a Todd McFarlane exhibit. Mm-hmm. And the entire museum was Todd McFarlane stuff. And I didn't go, but a few people um, that I heard from that did go said it was pretty fascinating. There was an entire wall of the exhibit that was all of the myriad rejection letters that McFarlane got in his, <laughs> you know, his career. And there were hundreds of them, literally hundreds of them. Um, and he saved every one, and they built you know a montage of this in this exhibit. And he, you know he clearly that powered him to become the you know the Todd McFarlane that you know that exists today. Which again, putting aside whether you know he, he's anyone's personal favorite here, he, you know clearly he's a guy that for an entire generation of comic readers, you know he's one of their their favorite artists. So I think I think, but there's a difference between getting a rejection letter from a publishing house that you're trying to work for or even a really brutal review of an existing creator that you may respect and what you were talking about with the kind of way that we fanboys tend to fall into that trap of negativity. I mean, that's a lot different because, number one, it's a mob mentality. And number two, while we all are part of the same community, I think a lot of us mistake being passionate for the medium with having a credible opinion on the um, actual mechanics of writing or drawing a comic. Right. So it gets, you know, I've, I've had a lot of the conversations in the last few months about the difference between saying that person is a bad artist versus saying that art doesn't resonate with me. And right. there really are two dramatically different things to say. Oh, yeah. One, sure. when, one is pretty much an uneducated thing to say, unless you yourself, you know, you're an artist. So I, you know, if you were to say that's bad art, you may have some technical means for establishing that. But I really don't feel qualified to just come right out and say, so and so is a bad artist because well, I'm not I, an artist myself. The, the I'm, I'm sorry, Vince. You you said ages ago that uh, that you know if as long as the artist understands the rules, like if they know that you know the way anatomy is supposed to be set up or perspective and things like that. I mean, a lot of people will complain about you know, Humberto Ramos and his big feet or or things like that. But if if he understands the rules of if if he could you know. I'm sure he knows how to really draw the perfect female form or, or female figure, but this is his style. This is just what he's putting out on the page. You know, there's a difference, but if someone just, you know, doesn't know how to draw a hand and makes a living doing that or, or no, or hiding feet behind rocks or, or steam or anything, then that's, that, that's a little different. Right. Well, all, of those, all of those guys could ace any college level anatomy class in you know figure drawing all of those guys you are they're professionals so of course they know the you know the human figure it's a different skill set whenever you talk about you know storytelling i think that's a skill that doesn't get caught doesn't get taught in a lot of art schools and that's why you have places like the center for cartoon studies or the cubert school you know that that's a whole different thing but yeah like anatomy and that kind of stuff those guys you know they know it it's it's just Mm -hmm. whenever it gets mixed with storytelling that that you know some of the weaknesses can can show up right well i'm still of the opinion that there is no such thing as bad art because creation could never be bad it's there there's such a thing as art that 
needs improvement in certain areas, but as far as flat out, this is bad, it can't happen. I, I've seen many people look at the work of Gary Panner or, say, Mark Beer, but, and look at it, ooh, that art's so bad. No, it, mm. it's, it's anything but bad. It, you know, they, they interpret faux naivete as the inability to draw, and it's just not so. But how do you, how do you convince someone that what they're looking at is not bad? You can't. It's just a personal opinion. Right. So, but, and if it's, if it doesn't, if it's not worth anything, if there's no value in it, then keep it to yourself. But it's, if, if you spent your two ninety nine, or in Chris's case, when talking about 1985, three ninety nine. if you're Fuckers. going to. I'm so, okay, there's the rant. <laughs> what the fuck? I was, uh, man, I was so excited about 1985, loved the first issue, got the second one, it was, it was okay, it wasn't as good as the first, then I'm, you know, getting ready to, to go on to another comic, and I put it down, I'm like, those motherfuckers charged me three ninety nine for that. Mm. Are you telling me four, Mark Miller's not worth four bucks? Four dollars, 22 page comic, once again, the, the, the cardstock cover, I don't give a fuck. But right. this is the guy who wrote Wanted, how do you not want to give him four dollars? <laughs> Just, no, I'm now, done. I'm done. They, lost, they lost me. You won't. You won't hear any more talk about 1985. But if I, I think, I think what happens is if if someone spent the money on that comic book, then they, that gives them a right to bitch about it, maybe to make themselves feel better. And I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that you know because Chris is talking about 1985. But I'm just. I mean, especially on message boards, we're like, you know, people are like they're more than happy to tear something down because it builds them up. It makes them feel better. Well, now I got sure. that off my chest and I went to the complaint department right. and, and now I'm good to go. And it's, and again, it's, I've, I don't, you know, I'm, please prove me wrong. I'll, I'll apologize for it. I don't think I've ever really said that. And I don't think anybody on our boards have really said, you know, I can't, you know, that's just horrible. That, that's just disgusting. I can't stand to look at that. No, it's, it's, it's usually prefaced with, well, to me, that's not really something that I can go for, or that's not something I'd want to spend my money on. And that's cool. And like Wood said, entirely different things. If you say, that's really not for me, to, wow, that's, that, that's really horrible. I can't believe that was put on a page. Well, Vince, you know, you and I were, were in a conversation on a non-comic topic. I think, it, if memory serves, it was someone brought up a topic of religion, and you and I obviously have oh, yeah. probably... I guess relative to the masses, unpopular views on that front. High five, and, yeah. <laughs> and but no, but you said something to someone who took offense to something in the thread. I don't think it was something you or I said. Your your basics, and I'm I'm probably totally butchering your point, but you said something I remember as being, well, why are you concerned about someone else's words? Words should be powerless unless That's you give right. them power. That's right. And um, that resonates resonated with me because I think it's a nice nice perspective to have in life, although I think it's difficult um, for someone to have that perspective when it's something near and dear to them, like a creator would be with their art. But I'm a little torn, given the current conversation, I'm wondering if, A, you're having a little bit of a change of heart there, in, in the sense that, you know, why say, well, don't don't say anything bad if you don't have anything, not, you know, if you don't say anything at all, if you have anything bad to say, well, I mean, if words don't really have power, Theoretically, people should be able to feel free to say whatever they want, right? But, but secondly, I guess what I'm really con- confused about a little bit here is that I know, for as much as I know that artists appreciate when we have nice things to say, it would be a little hypocritical of me to then suggest that having something negative to say has no value because, 
it's why would someone value what you say when it's positive and take it for having meaning if in fact they're not going to take it you know any if your criticism has no worth in other words right. if your opinion has worth it has worth it doesn't only have worth when it uh, when it suits your own worldview you follow do you follow what i'm saying oh yeah yeah sure but all right to get to the to cover the first part you're right word uh, well what i i still stand by what i said in that thread words are very powerful if you allow them to be mm-hmm. How many people do you know that are like myself that could take any kind of criticism directed at me with, with a, a grain of salt and forget about it literally a couple seconds after it's been delivered? That's just, I've always been that way. You, you look at my art, you tell me it sucks. Yeah, that's your opinion, whatever. I have the confidence in my ability to know my art does not suck. You may not understand it or get it or just like it, flat out just not like it. There's, my art does not suck. People may not like my opinions, or, you know, call me insane. That's their, you know, they have every right to feel that way. I'm not going to go to sleep thinking, oh, my God, these people, they don't like me. What am I going to do? I, I, I care about what people think. But in, on the other hand, I, I really don't because I, I know what I do and I do it fairly well. And I'm comfortable with that. But not everybody's like that. Now, say Michael Turner is going through chemo wondering whether he's going to wake up tomorrow morning he's vulnerable he's at he's a, he's handicapped by this disease and and you have some schlub on a message board saying the cover to fathom number three just suck balls it was horrible <laughs> and I, I never want to look at something like that again that's the problem if you just flat out don't like something and you know it's like it's like knocking on somebody's door with a flaming bag of poop on the porch and running away you, you're not giving anybody a reason why you don't like it if you can back up your claim with logic, uh, intelligence, and, and a little bit of you know um, uh, personal enthusiasm as to why you don't, then fine. I, I don't. I don't think there's an artist out there that would not accept your opinion and maybe take it to heart. Maybe not if they thought you were wrong. Great. But if you just flat out hammer a guy because you don't like his stuff, that mm-hmm. doesn't. That does nobody any good. You that, just that's, described that's, everybody that's ever bitched about Chuck Austin. Right. That. That's what I'm talking about. You know. Uh, I believe you. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the same thing. You know, like him or not, it's, you know, just, uh, you know, try and keep, understand that it's, that it's subjective. Right. And there's a human being behind it. That cover did not spring out of the ether, full-blown, by, by itself. There was a hand behind that, a human hand, a human hand with feelings attached to it. So if you're going to slam something... Have a reason, an intelligent reason why. And as far as Michael Turner's stuff, the the execution is is I don't want to say flawless, but there's really <laughs> not all that much to bitch about. Agreed. I, well, I think the, the rule of thumb should be um, anything you say on a forum, if you're willing to say it to the person's face, feel free to say it. I mean, if you're, That's if right. you're willing, if you're willing to, um, you know, and again, something that happened, you mentioned the CGS forums. Uh, there was an incident some time ago about a guy that's very near and dear to all of our, you know, hearts, Mike Norton, someone on the CGS forums that is not <laughs> known for tact, said basically something about, I just don't like the guy, he sucks, blah, blah, mm. blah. And a lot of us came to his defense for basically the same reason, saying, look, you can say you don't like the guy's style, you're free to do that, but you're basically coming in the guy's house Mm-hmm. where he has a lot of personal friends and you're basically spitting on him and the problem I had with it is this guy that said what he said would never in a million years have had the balls if he was at a con to go up to Mike right. Norton say right. what he said word for word to Mike's face because Mike that's, would eat him 
Well, sure. Yeah. Say, he, would, he wouldn't be able to say it to Mike's face unless he was well, sick. Right, <laughs> to Mike's knees, to Mike's knees. But my point is there is some legitimacy to that. If if you don't like something or you don't like a story arc or you think something that's happening in an event book or it doesn't jive, it, it feel if you're willing, if you're at a convention and you're willing to go up to Bendis or go up to, you know, an artist of your choice and say, hey, I don't like this for this reason, or I think you made a mistake with this, then by all means, say whatever you want to say on the internet. But yeah. if you're saying something, you're typing not in... Not that we're condoning it. that. <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is, is you get my point, but then it's so easy to hide behind the internet and have internet muscles. Right. And, you know, I've always tried very hard, and that's why I use my own name. With my, What I see on the internet, some of it may not be popular, some of it may seem callous or opinionated, but I, honestly, I believe that nothing I ever say on the internet is something I wouldn't say to the person's face. Right. And, I and get I, that. And I couldn't believe some of the reactions I was getting from people in that thread where I said, words don't bother me. They were actually <laughs> get, getting pissed off because I, I, could just, I could just deflect that shit like that. Oh, it's impossible. You make me sick. Blah, blah, blah. Your and, words hurt them. Well, I don't know, but uh, you know, I can, I, I can only hope that any, anybody that, that, that wants to shit on a creator has the skin thick enough that when that creator goes to McDonald's and tells them that they salted their fries too much, that they can take that criticism and yeah. and, and live with that. Right. Well, you know what? Let's let's just get some positivity here going for for. Oh, a I, and actually, I want I want an honest opinion, Vince. Um, Chicago hot dog. Oh my God! Oh, that's another funny thing that happened. Uh, Chris, he he turns to me and says, "You ever have a Chicago hot dog?" I and said, he unzipped. I, I said, shut up. Uh, <laughs> that would be a cocktail, Frank. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I said, no. What, what's the deal? He goes, well, let me ask you a question. How do you take your hot dogs? And I said, well, like everybody, I put ketchup on them. And no, wait. And I said, I put ketchup on them. And he looked at me like I kicked him in the balls. He goes, you're you're not eating ketchup on a hot dog with me. Of course, you put ketchup on a hot dog. No, I get like I, I guess it's blasphemy because Chris schooled me as to why it's blasphemy because in the in the depression Chicago had the biggest stockyard in the country or was it the world? Oh well, and the, it was the, it's the hog butcher to the, uh, to the world is what they say. But yeah, the Chicago stockyards basically handled all of the all of the uh, meat and butchering for the East Coast almost. Right, and he said the only reason why you put ketchup on things is to mask the flavor of the of the substance you're putting it on. You don't put ketchup on a Chicago hot dog. And I said, okay, Chris, I won't eat ketchup on it. So 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 we went to to this this place. I forget the name of it. What was the name? Of it? Okay. Byron's. Byron's, right. And and I, I'm looking at how they're making the hot dogs, and it's like hot dog, mustard, no, bun, mustard, hot dog, onions, relish, lettuce, tomato, God. pickle, and, and, and am I leaving anything out? And celery oh, yeah, salt. They give you utensils with this? Oh, my God. This oh, thing, a lot of napkins. Oh, my God. It was so delicious. That's cool. I, I'm not kidding you. It, Sounds it, like a mess. No, it was, it was, I'm telling, I'm not saying this because Chris is my buddy. It was one of the tastiest <laughs> things that I've ever eaten. And because, I think it was the celery salt that did it. Yep. The, the, the celery salt mixed with the, the, the taste of the pork and the, the, the relish. And it was this kryptonite green relish. I didn't, good thing I didn't eat the hot dog next to Superman because I would have weakened him. But it was, <laughs> it, it was, it was amazing. And, uh, Chris goes, Pretty good, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and then you wiped what? off your chin. The uh, the oh. the um, here's something positive. 
Okay. Let me I, let me just say one thing. Go ahead. Because we're second. We're we're moving away from what I want. It, it will we'll lose the attachment. Okay. Mike Norton's art in Trinity, inked by Jerry Ordway. Dude, oh, good I post, God. I, I said that online. I said there are two art teams, current art teams that are my absolute favorites: Norton and Ordway, and 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 Pelletier and Magyar, and and those two modern, modern I mean, pencil and artist. I mean, pencil and inker. Those two teams for for the big two. Those are my two current favorites. Yeah. Now, Mike and Ordway are awesome together. They, they are. And Mike let me in on a, a little bit of the process. He, he, he was credited for layouts. He, he merely directed Ordway what to do. Like the, the, the flow of the pages is all Mike. Mm-hmm. The, the breakdown, the, 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 the blocking and everything in the panel, the perspective, that's all Mike. But right. the, de- the detailing is Ordway. What mm-hmm. a combination. Well, you can tell that. I mean, I think when I look at those pages, they look like Ordway. They don't look like Norton to me. Well, I think Ordway is, is kind of a heavy-handed inker. And yes. I was kind of, yeah. I was, uh, Mike, whenever he found out that Ordway was going to be inking him, was, was pretty excited about it. He's like, but, you know, Jerry Ordway, when Jerry Ordway inks somebody, it looks like Jerry Ordway. So, you know, for Mike, I think it's pretty pretty easy to to do the to do the layouts and work with him that way so yeah well let's be honest or ordway may have been the wizard of oz in in this instance but mike was the dude behind the curtains yeah it, or, ordway wouldn't have never would never have looked that good if mike's panels weren't as solid as the oh, very true. And mike is such a good storyteller yeah <laughs> oh, I, he 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 knows how to lay out a page and mm-hmm. so he's just got that got that intuitive sense of, of how to how to move panels to tell you the truth, in that I- issue, I was digging the uh, backup better than the main feature, mm-hmm. as, as far as the visuals go. And in to, uh, four or five, four. To, four. I got I got five today. Okay. To to eclipse Bagley. Well, that's a pretty <laughs> tough thing to do. Still loving Bagley's one. Oh yeah, his Wonder Woman's rocking. Oh, yeah, tight little waist. <laughs> Take care of business. I, li- yeah. I like his Batman. I I, I do yeah. like his Batman. Yeah, hey, like so some some art that uh, the art that I'm kind of digging on, and uh, I'm not always a fan of this guy, but I did pick up Astonishing X Men, which is the uh, uh, Warren yeah, and uh, yeah. um, uh, Simone, Simone Bianchi. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you uh, something. It's really I, pretty. I love Simone's stuff. I really do. Now, there's a guy. Someone made a comment on on, a, on one of the forums about Simone, uh, and and I made the point. To the effect of why I hate his stuff or is terrible or something, and I was, I, I that was a point where I kind of made the point that we were just discussing. I said, "Listen, you can, I if you don't, if Simone's art doesn't, if it doesn't suit you and it doesn't please you, I can totally get that. You can say whatever you want, but I mean, the guy, if you've actually ever heard him in an interview or you know anything about him, I mean, he's a classically trained artist of, and he knows all types of mediums. He's he paints frescoes. I mean, the guy is about as as classically trained as an artist is working in the medium today. So it's one thing to say, you know, his style doesn't work for you in terms of comics, but you can't call him a bad artist. No, you know, someone had done it. But for me personally, I I love his stuff, and I haven't seen um, this astonishing X Men, but. You know, I'm a huge Deadpool fan and a Wolverine fan, and he was doing those covers for Wolverine Origins. There's a cover, uh, there's an original piece of art of Deadpool face-to-face with Wolverine that I came so close to buying at New York Comic Con of his. And uh, I just, I, I basically, my wife would have filed for divorce if I came home with it, so, <laughs> so I didn't buy it. But, but I'm telling you, I, I really dig his stuff. So yeah, this, the, uh, this looks the, really European. It's yeah, ju- judging so- by the uh, the first issue, judging by 25 of Astonishing X-Men, if, if you thought 
his work on Wolverine, the Jeff Loeb written Wolverine, was good. I think Astonishing X-Men blows that away because I wasn't a big fan of the Wolverine work. But mm-hmm. Chris is right. Astonishing X-Men 25, that's some good comics right there. Sure. Yeah. Now, now very, Wolverine. One second, one oh, second. Okay. Uh-huh. Vince always, he always likes to get his points in. I do. When you, when you look at artwork, it's, it's only natural to find a historical precedent for a stylistic precedent that, that – you know, so you can encapsulate what you feel about this artwork by saying, oh, yeah, it's a lot like this guy or it's very reminiscent of this because you always need an example. Right. It's very, it's very tough. Point to of reference. This, right. right. It's, it's tough to put this stuff in, into words. I think that Simone is is the modern equivalent of Alex Nino. Nice. Because he has that very unique way of representing the human form. Alex Nino, you could definitely tell an Alex Nino form. And uh, have you ever noticed when Simone renders machinery or, or like, say, weapons or vehicles, they look organic. They, they, they look like there's a scene in, in Astonishing X-Men 25 where there's this building or this, this, this pod-type thing. I, I, I just flipped over it brief, briefly, but it looks like it was grown instead of, you know, steel like smelted or it looks organic that alex nino was that's what alex nino was known for i think they both have they're both playing in the same ballpark basically they don't draw like each other obviously but stylistically the 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 similarities are really there for me anyway well you saw a lot of that in shining night yeah yeah where simone i think that was his first american comics work right but he he drew, you know, so much of that was very much organic because of the, um, well, because of the characterizations that he was dealing with. Those, there was a super futuristic world where organic and machinery had kind of come, come become one. But, but I, I totally get what you're saying, Vince. I think that's yeah. very, very apropos. I really enjoy his um, his page layouts. It's, uh, you know, that that's where that's where it gets to, like the very European feel mm-hmm. for me is just the the play playing with geometric shapes and you know just very non-conventional um uh, page layouts as far as you know like western comics and that kind of stuff but uh um yeah it's uh who, who's the guy that did uh was it jodorowsky am i uh, getting the name right um oh shit vince you you, you know what i'm talking who, who did what um oh gosh um it was a European comic. Uh, Meta Barons? Nah, I gotta Ed? think about it. It's it's escaping me, but the, okay. a, a lot of the same the same feel. It was you know that's one of the reasons I love Elephant Man is that it has you know Woodrone has you know that that very European style in comics. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, when I'm sitting on a toilet and I'm thinking about Civil War and what that meant for Secret Invasion. And what all the straws, what did they cause, and, and hero against hero, and the deeper cosmic revelation of what it all could mean. I got to take a shit. Talk to you later. Now let, let's just drive this truck around the block and pick up David, because he had something to say a while back, and we kind of squashed him. No, I was no, ne- never. I was uh, no. We, we were talking about the positivity spin, yeah. and uh, and just one thing that I want to really focus positively on is I went in when I came home tonight. I went in 
gave Renee a kiss goodnight and saw on the nightstand that she was reading. She started uh, the deluxe edition or the new version, the new edition of uh, The Killing Joke. Wow. Oh, very nice. Can't the recolored no. version, right? I never saw anything wrong with the original color. I haven't read this one yet. She, mm-hmm. she she ripped open the shrink wrap. She started it. So I haven't seen this particular version of it yet. But at least now, finally, she's reading a Batman story that we can actually talk about together because we, we both and, have read it. And she'll be primed for the Dark Knight. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of the killing joke, right. one of the many, 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 many great reasons why everyone on that's a comics fan should have devoured Final Crisis number two. <laughs> that was I, I good. Was, I was waiting till. Go ahead. Yeah. No, well, I mean, obviously, at page what is it? Page one or two in the member of the uh, Japanese. <laughs> yeah, the shirt. Killing joke jacket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, what a book! I, so far, that is my favorite single issue this year. Go ahead, wow. say it, David. I'm stunned. No, really. <laughs> no, it, no. It, now, all right. The only. I'm I'm I and I believe I've I may have posted this on the forum. I am reading as of the second issue now. I am reading Final Crisis and enjoying Final Crisis solely for Grant Morrison, solely because of the story. The art, I'm not I don't want to say that the art oh the art sucks. It's it's a tad uneven in places for me from for, for as far as JG Jones is concerned. But Morrison, I'm I'm on board for what Morrison wants to do with this, and I and I started the first volume of of, of Seven Soldiers, so I'm I'm trying to get the backstory as I go along. But uh, I I have nothing bad to say aside from some panels, uh, art wise. I have nothing bad to say about Final Crisis. So by all means, to talk about whatever you want to talk about. I mean, there is more. There are more concepts ping ponging through this issue than I think a whole year of some other comics. can I speak to that for a second, Vince? Yeah, go ahead. It's something I want. I have to say again. This, we're, I think, unintentionally, we we never script these things, but we have a running theme here. I have to say, listening to some of the chatter on the boards and on different podcasts about Final Crisis, it's really frustrated me because the main complaint for those people that have an issue with this seems to be something along these lines. Well, it's just so hard to follow, and I feel like I have to read it more than once to really get at what's happening. That, to me, is so infuriating to hear because here I sit and think, I mean, how many – I probably read, I'm going to say, 90 to 100 comics a month, roughly, a lot of comics, right? And I don't think I'm alone there. Um, I'd say the average comic reader that's active on our forums or listens to podcasts is probably not that far from that. I mean, they're reading at least 30, 40 books a month. So they're reading a lot of comics, right? What's one of the most common complaints we have about our, about our, about our little not niche hobby? Not getting enough bang for my buck. Yeah, not bang for buck. I'm paying three, four bucks an issue, and it's mm-hmm. taking me ten, 10 minutes to read it, and then I forget what happens a month later. So shouldn't we be praising and deifying a book that actually hey, what, is what worth rereading more than once? Remember this. People do not like to be challenged. It's very true. Very true. Well, I and, agree with and, you, it's, and it's easier to bitch about something. frustrates me, though, but, because to my mind, Final Crisis was a book that demanded being reread more than once. And every time I've read it three times, every time I feel like I'm that much closer to unlocking the keystone, and I feel that confident that when issue eight wraps up, it's going to blow my mind. Right. Just like and, Seven and, Soldiers did over 30, is- 30 and, issues. And that proves my point, that... You get out of a comic what you invest in that comic or any work of art. If you're willing to immerse yourself in this 
four color world 22 pages and give it everything you've got which may require you reading it once twice three times the more you put into it the more you will derive from that work it's just common sense and, and, and as far as the thing being imperceptible or difficult to understand it's not you just have to he he's not pulling concepts out of his ass these are things that makes sense based on other things that happened in the same book and, and if, or the or the issue the, before if you're out there reading it and you're you're feeling a little lost don't after you read it a couple times don't be afraid to go into a into a thread on a message board or find some of these great blow by blow um uh, recaps of it and and kind of get nudged in the right direction of what Morrison's doing. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. And it's actually kind of cool to go, oh, okay. It's I didn't know this sumo character had been around <clears throat> right. you know before. So that was that was great to learn. Oh hey hey Vince that the comic I was trying to think of was Alexandro uh Jodorowsky's the Techno Priest. Techno Priest, right. Yeah. Excellent. I have that. It's really good. Yeah. Anything Jodorowsky did is fantastic. But anyway, it, it it all comes down to that instant gratification some of us require when, when reading these things. Like, I heard a lot of complaints or maybe not out-and-out out complaints, but just confusion based on the, the, the section where um, Jon Stewart got taken out. What the hell's going on? I don't understand this. It, we're not supposed to understand it now. All you need, to, all you need to know is John Stewart got taken out of the picture by something or someone. Dressed like a Green Lantern. Well, it was right. it was a confusing panel. Um, that's where I think JG's art kind of stumbled a little bit. That was a very hard to decipher panel. Or is that just me? Well, no, it was it was a wide arm. panel. Yeah, it was like an arm and sort of a torso. You couldn't tell where the head was supposed. Where the head might have been at the top of the panel, but yeah, the way was, the body might have been positioned. It was, I, I know. Let exactly me ask. What let Chris me ask you a saying. question. Let me ask you a question. What was the arm? What what organization did that arm belong to? That's all I'm going to ask you. Oh, the, it was a Green Lantern uniform. It's all you need to know. Yeah. But what, what I'm. I and, think and, and I think you kind of followed that though. Once once Kraken showed up and arrested or demanded Hal Jordan, you know, turn himself in. It's like, well, obviously, then if you didn't pick up on it in this panel, then you know, here here we're telling you on the next the next page, right? It was a Green right. Lantern that that, yeah, that attempted the, to merge. Spoilers, spoilers, by the way, everybody. Yeah, spoilers. <laughs> and you know what? what? what I think. Let me just add this to David's, and you can go. I think it's very significant that Hal Jordan was sleeping. In both, wow, this was happening. It, when, no, oh, and in, in, both, and in the first issue, the yeah, first when he got issue, there late, right. yeah, because yeah. John John was there first, right? That that's got to play into it. Morrison just doesn't say things uh, just for the sake of saying them or include things in the book. That's got to be significant. Great point. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, when it's repeated, but yeah, it's uh, by the end of the book, we kind of figure out it's Granny Goodness who had done it, right? Well, we know that on the surface, well, that's it may be who, Granny Goodness, yeah, that, and that's who. Yeah. That's who's been, you know, training. I guess if you want to call it that, these kids. I mean, there's, you had, uh, and 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 speaking of our forms, there's been talk about whether or not, and actually, and would even participated in this, whether or not Turpin is dark side or on the side Orion. of of good or well, high father. I'll give him high father. <laughs> I won't. I won't say Orion. But uh, mm -hmm. so you know, it's well, like it's it. And I mean, I I I see dark. I mean, I didn't I didn't see it in the first issue but in the second issue definitely and then when reverend good 
tells him your son Caleb back, and as I said on the forum, that, that kind of submitted it. And it could very well right. be a misdirect by Morrison. He could say, you know, well, maybe it might have been dark-sided as of this issue, mm-hmm. and then he might throw you a curve. But as of right now, at the end of the second issue, I, I see dark side. When I see Turpin, now well, I see dark side. Right. Well, I think that um, relative to the my initial... Um, thoughts that it couldn't be dark side um, because I think the, the the obvious hint that I think is the most telling that it probably is dark side interpret is of course the the scene where he's looking at himself in that cracked mirror and obviously the cracks make it look like dark side's face mm-hmm. um, but but I guess my issue or Orion is, sure well right that's where I said Orion but then um, David brought up the point of they ref- referenced him having a son, and I don't think we know that Orion has a son. But whatever, we'll see. I guess we'll find out. But but I mean the 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 thing that I guess made me think it wasn't Darkseid at first was because we had the club owner of Club Darkseid, and I thought that was Darkseid. But what I didn't realize, and the same thing with Granny Goodness, is apparently, and I guess this is happening in in other titles. Um, something happened at the club where those characters died or something like that. And I guess what we're to gather is that I guess there was a reference in either the first or second issue of Final Crisis where where one of the new gods says these human bodies don't last very long. Or right, right, right. right. And I guess in that's the first what's issue. Yeah. Right. So a- after that second read through, I guess I've come along the sides that probably is Dark Side. It's just that. The human host is—they're burning through these human hosts, and so now Granny, uh, with with Kraken, I thought when I first read it, I thought, oh, okay, so Kraken—it makes sense. She's from Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. She's a Green Lantern, an Alpha Lantern, and she must be one of the f- the female Furies, Granny's Furies. But now I think it's actually because apparently the Granny body was killed in I think Birds of Prey. I haven't read the issue, but it's my understanding she was killed in Birds of Prey. And I guess subsequent to that, we're now to think she's now inheriting the body of Kraken. So I, I guess what we're getting at is it seems that the new gods are inha- inhabiting the bodies of humans, and I guess they can't be in a given body for long, maybe unless it becomes a, a more permanent thing, which is yet to happen. So, right. And there's, there's one element to the story that Matt and I were bouncing back and forth, and that's Mordecacus. Absolutely, sure. First introducing Commandy number nine. How cool is that? Mm-hmm. That they're bringing <laughs> Morrison's picking Commandy's brain. And there was even a Commandy cameo in the second issue. Right, sure. Right. Well, so yeah. that last page, do you take it to be that the Black Racer is chasing the Flash and the Bullet? Or is the Flash trying to outrun the Bullet to stop it from ever hitting Orion? Yeah, or... Yeah, I- I think it's it's the the Flash trying to catch the bullet, and it's a conceptual thing because Mortacacus, Mort, death, Black Racer, death. It's it's mm-hmm. that's Morrison tying the two together, and the bullet is laced with Mortacacus. If you look at it, it's got that little. No, no I, I agree with that. You know, so I, no, I, I think it's the Flash coming from wherever the Flash is coming from, the, the future, or whatever. But Fucking trying time to, traveling bullets. I'm, yeah, I mean, how much more Morrison can you get? It's sure. so cool. And no, yeah, I think the Black Racer is there to pick up the pieces because wherever he's around, somebody's gonna gonna be escorted off into the source. So. But so why is the Black Racer in a what looks to be new god form when all the other new gods haven't? Is it because he's already ascended to the fifth well, world and they have death? Well, no, but I would. I mean, he's he's death. I but he's I a think new god, that would just. No, but he yeah. means the, the the visual appearance right. of yeah, the Black Racer yeah. is very very different. It's just an updated Black Racer because um, he died in Death of the New Gods. Well, no, no, they all did. Which, which we're not right? supposed to be. Well, we're, are we supposed to be referencing that though? 
All of the new gods are inhabiting human hosts right now, or have yet to inhabit, but I guess presumably because we're going to see the ascendance of them into the fifth world. So I guess what I'm saying is, now if either the black racer we're seeing in that panel is, I guess, from the future, in which case the fifth world already exists, or I'm wondering why then is the black racer already seemingly in a god form when the rest of them are all hanging out in human hosts? That's kind of what I'm asking. But I guess the question... My my interpretation of it was because we're seeing some those guys are all coming from the future, and in the future, I would presume all the new gods, Black Racer included, have ascended to the fifth world. Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be the future because remember Earth fifty one, in Countdown, was no. It's not, do, do we really have? Wait, to? but we know that the bullet came back through time <laughs> to get right. Orion. Uh, right, of course, but I'm just saying it, do, it doesn't necessarily have to be. Mm. Uh, through time, and they don't necessarily have to be coming from the same origin. The, Are, the black racer, racer could be coming from point A, and, and the sure. flash and the bullet could be coming from point B. I don't know. We'll just—it's something we'll just have to wait for. But it's—it's—it's mm-hmm. it's, it's cool to wonder about it. Definitely. Yeah. I love the significance of where it happened. Oh yeah. Oh where, yeah. I mean, it was the the original meeting place of of Jay and Barry, right? Yeah, it's where the Silver <laughs> Age met the the uh, the Gold the, Age. It's where the multiverse started. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sweet, neato. Good for move Grant. on bef- before David's toenails get all curled under. Oh please! <laughs> Do we re- you know, I, just, I try to throw just, you a bone. I'm, I'm working with you here, and I still <laughs> get shat on. Oh, I can't believe it. Speaking about giving credit where credit is due, yes. someone that I've made fun of on the show before and been guilty of it is having a really good week, and that's Mark Miller. Wanted was great. He's probably making a boatload off that. Kudos to him. I haven't seen it, but... Oh, you mean the movie that's not based on an actual comic? Well, whatever. <laughs> I thought we were being positive, regardless. Yeah. But, you know, the... the well, three the, out of four ain't bad. Three of you guys can be positive. The, the, poten- the potential for seeing the big poo-poo guy on the screen <laughs> and, and then not getting it? I don't know. That's okay. kind of a letdown but for me. The good but week go that I'm talking about is that I have to say, as much as I've panned his Fantastic Four run, and I haven't been picking up 1985... <laughs> I read the first issue of Old Man Logan and loved every single page of it. Really? I really did like it a lot. Now, I I'm a Wolverine apologist. Every single page, but it, it was I'm pretty. I'm a Wolverine apologist, but I really did enjoy the first issue. Now, what is that, a miniseries? No, it's part of it's Wolver- it's, it's a It's a story arc inside of the Wolverine ongoing. Oh. It, they're, they're doing what I, what I applaud them of doing, where instead of making a miniseries or a separate series about this one story... They're doing it in the actual ongoing series. Well, why not? That's I mean, that's all I'm saying. Age. Yeah, is, isn't that the the place to do it? I mean, I would think in, so. He's in every other X Men book in the in the, <laughs> in the in the line. Why not? I will I will give Miller that he he works with some really talented artists. He, he <laughs> it, it, Wolverine Wolverine Old Man Logan looks yes it is it is but that's he he's, he, he's not going to hear me over his money. He, he's not. Uh, he, he's. I, I like the way Old Man Logan looks. It's the first issue. I guess you know if you want to throw it back to Final Crisis. You know the first issue it laid the foundation. If you want to see where it's going, you'll get the second issue. Read the rest of the story. Uh, but as far as a, after reading Get Mystique, after reading what Jason Aaron wrote and Ron Garney drew in the six issues before this, it. I don't want to say it's a letdown, but I was riding high during Get Mystique, and, and here it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for it to kind of catch up to what we've had before. Interesting. Interesting. I, mean, I, I like Ron Garney's art a lot, and right. I thought Get Mystique was okay, but I have to say I'm more excited after reading this first issue than 
I was, I guess. Oh, did we lose him? Did we lose Jason? Bye bye, Wood. I have a, uh, that's, that's a mute sort of. button. Hmm? <laughs> there he is. I, I see him, but. Well, I'll be damned. Listen to 11 o'clock comics again. But that's not unusual. It's just that my iPod is full with lots of other crap. And here I sit, singing on the telephone, just like I did before, a couple of podcasts ago, and it still isn't very funny. Don't you know it's a cast about comics and stuff? It's a kooky little podcast about comics and stuff! Comics! Comics and stuff! Comics! Comics and stuff! One talks about comics, comics and stuff! David talks about comics, comics and stuff! Chris talks about comics, comics and stuff! Vince talks about comics, comics and stuff! Comics, comics and stuff! I am Nostradamus. Uh, but hey, while, while we're talking while we're talking about Miller, uh, and we're talking about Wizard World Chicago, I have to flaunt my uh, one of my um, finds there. Um, found a new still in the shrink wrap, uh, Absolute Authority Volume Two for like thirty five bucks. Wow! <laughs> yeah, Can you not hear me. Yeah, I oh, got there. You. you are. Oh, huh? You got you got bounced, buddy. I did. Yeah. Live it. <laughs> it. It was it was just so I could brag about finding the uh, Absolute Authority, um, Volume Two at, at Chicago. Yeah, yeah, S- cheap, sweet for for less than eBay prices. Of course, less than cover. Yeah. I love conventions. Mm-hmm. I, I picked up a, a shitload of five dollar trades. I I have the whole Grimjack run, but there's Ooh. I do, but they're, but they're so special. You're gonna make some, David so jealous, right? There's some there's something very special about maybe I should bounce about taking a a, a a trade to bed with you, not having to worry about if you get it all shitted up. You know what I mean? So I I was what buying. What kind of problems do you have when you sleep? No, I'm just saying. I, I was buying the IDW Grimjack collections, which retail for twenty four ninety five. I was gonna and, say you have money to burn. No. So I bought the first two, and then when the third one came up uh, under the solicitations, I, I, I had to cut it because I didn't want to add that much more to an already heavy month. So I stopped buying the Grimjack trades. Luckily for me, there was someone there who was selling the Grimjack trades for five bucks a pop. So I got the, the fourth trade to the eighth trade for less than it would, for about the same of what it would cost me retail for one of them. Sweet. Damn. Tell yeah. you, man, Chicago was a great show if you want to come in and buy stuff. Yeah. And how about that uh, uh, Kazuo Umezu's Cat-Eyed Boy, that thing I put on the, on the yes. floor what, last week? I picked up the first volume for five bucks. The, oh. ink's, the ink's not even dry on it. <laughs> and then that's a twenty four ninety five book. 
I got Aliens Omnibus from Dark Horse. Not cheap. Twenty four ninety five. Three volumes, five bucks a piece. Nice. And, and they, these are not remainders or used books. They're brand freaking new. You could walk into there on Sunday and pick up the entire trade paperback collection of Civil War for less well, five bucks. What would it cost you? How many are there? Like like six of them or seven of them? Like forty two. What? <laughs> yeah, really. But so I'm saying unbelievable and, and the ultimate Marvel stuff just everywhere, which you know, Chris mentioned it and you know, like Marvel doesn't overprint. Give me a break. There were thousands yeah. <laughs> of, of Marvel trades available there for five bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just all over the place. I got I got I got shit to read forever. I got that. Um, oh, real fun hardcover, the Legion of Monsters, uh, oversized hardcover. Yep. Really cool. And I've been wanting to get it for a while because um, it's got the first story that Scotty Young uh, wrote and drew, and they're really cool Frankenstein Aww. story. Yeah. Uh, there's, awesome. there's a Ted McKeever man thing in there, too. That's just gorgeous. Yeah, there's some, there's some old school stories in there. Yeah, it's um, really, really cool uh, oversized hardcover if you want to learn a little bit about the uh, the Marvel monsters. Yep. And and getting back to uh, the DCBS box, I rip it open today, and what's waiting inside there for me? But Walking Dead Volume Eight, something I've been dying to read ever ever since Chris called me, and and says, "Oh, did you ever read? Did you read Walking Dead Forty Eight? And I said, "Chris, I read it in trades. I didn't get there yet." Oh my God! He just went on and on and on about how amazing it was, and he was right. The the book is insane. It's it, it's just crazy what Kirkman did. The balls of steel on this guy to do what he he, he basically spoilers so everyone relax. No 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 no. I won't let anything out of the out of the bag. He basically changed the status quo of the entire series in like three issues. Just just wow. a, a, almost literally wiped the slate clean. Yeah. Oh, Wood. Uh, nice thread about uh, about Walking Dead this week by the way brought up some really cool conversation yeah and that's another thing it was killing me not to go into that thread and see what was going on but now i can't you don't talk about 49 uh and the upcoming 50 do you no i haven't read them okay good cool but and i'm thinking as i'm reading the book if they ever make a walking dead movie Mm -hmm. which you know chances are very good that that may happen how cool would it be if they cast dave windorf as the governor he, he is he is the governor. Oh my god, he is! Oh, he'd be perfect for that. And and, and now, whenever you know, I'm I'm reading the <laughs> I'm reading the book, and I'm seeing Dave Windorf as this bastard. Oh, that's hilarious! <laughs> yeah. You're so dead on. Uh, honest to God. You know what's funny, Finn? Yeah. You haven't read that thread, then? No, I'm I'm planning on going into okay. it tomorrow. Well, actually, the impetus for the thread was that I too got the eighth trade in my DCBS and read it. And I sort of had a crisis of confidence after reading it, and thought I really? might I might be done reading reading Walking Dead for a bit. It, it was heartbreaking. Bleak it was that was a thing. I mean, I just I, I and you'll see in the thread it was essentially saying, look, I'm going to pick up the ninth trade because up until this point I've loved every second of this series, and and I suspect that that because of the way the eighth trade ended, in fact, some of my issues, which is that we've been in a bit of a rut, I think, are clearly going to be different now because the status quo has changed. But, yeah, it was a heartbreaker, and I just I, it, it left me feeling so hollow and so mm. wondering whether or not his, 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 his there was a really a point to this other than just that, that life is pretty much 
desperate and impossible now in their world. I, I just was left wondering, is there really anything more to the story than just repeatedly being reminded that there really is no hope for these people? Um, wow. So I'm curious to see how the ninth trade goes because in that thread you'll see, although no one spoils anything, they do suggest that having read the next few single issues, people have assured me that, that things go in a really new and interesting direction so that a lot of my frustration that I, I left the eighth trade feeling have already been obfuscated. So I don't know. I just read 50 this week and it's still very in the air. I, okay. you, you have no idea where the sucker's going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is which is fun. Well, I, I think that hollow feeling is a pretty natural response to a world that's so bleak as mm-hmm. as the one uh, in Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the odds, just the, the very odds against these characters surviving, are almost insurmountable. Mm-hmm. When 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 you have billions of dead people just trying <laughs> to eat you. Have you have any of you guys read World War Z by Max Brooks? No. Sounds very familiar. No, where who put that out? Max Brooks. It's a novel. It's not a comic. It's a novel. Oh, but, no. uh, oh, oh! From the Zombie Survival Guide. He he wrote the, right. He wrote yeah. the Zombie Survival Guide, and then he wrote. Yeah, it's Mel, it's Mel Brooks' son, isn't it? Is it really? Oh, I didn't know that. I, I, I think so. Wow. Well, Vince, have if you haven't read, if you haven't read World War Z, my friend, you have to read it. It is an absolute blast, and it's not dissimilar to the Walking Dead premise in that. Effectively, it is. There's been a, a a worldwide zombie infestation, and almost, you know, I think less than one percent of the human population survives it. But it's written from the from the point of view of a very well traveled, um, embedded journalist who covered the 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 entire zombie outbreak from beginning to end. And this is many years later, and he's just relaying different interviews he had throughout the whole process from start to finish and it takes you know it's different people from all different walks of life and all different parts of the world and their perspective as it's happening all through the end of it it is mm-hmm. really really an awesome book in fact maybe cool. i'll just maybe i'll just mail you my copy but um but it, the point being though and the reason i brought it up is that <clears throat> i was comparing the experience of reading world war z to the experience i felt reading the eighth trade of walking dead and <clears throat> i guess the difference is that it, by nature of World War Z being set years after the outbreak is finally contained, even though 99.9% of the world's population died off, y- you see that there's a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. In Walking Dead, I guess by design right now, I feel I'm not sure if there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Like, I'm not sure right now if Kirkman isn't going to eventually kill off every character we've been introduced to. Maybe that's his intent, but it's kind of hard to read that, at least for me, and and come away feeling good about it. And I, I kind of feel like I read comics to, to be entertained, and I wasn't... At the end of 8, I felt worse for having read it than I was entertained by it. Hmm. Well, I, technically, he could have ended it with 48, and it would have been the perfect Romero movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, unlike Diary of the Dead. Have you seen that? No. Romero's latest zombie movie. Uh, not so great. There, there are moments of brilliance in it, but overall, not so great. Uh, yeah, but Matt, Max be, be, Brooks, by the way, is uh, is the son of Mel Brooks and Anne Bancroft. Anne Bancroft. Oh, oh, cool. But d- d- to get back to Walking Dead, I think the reason why you felt hollow is because more uh, Morrison, yeah, Kirkman has invested so much time into these characters and 
crafted them in such a believable way mm-hmm. that we feel like we know them. And then when something happens to them, like they ha- like in issues uh, f- 47 and 48, mm-hmm. it, you're, you're almost uh, speechless. You don't know how to react. And that's what happens in the real world. Shit happens. You're, you're, you're right. You're, you are right. In fact, I'm glad I started the thread. And again, kudos to our community, our little community, because the thread took me to a road where I'm now fully on board with reading the ninth trade and, and with open eyes again, whereas literally I wrote that thread hours after I finished reading the eighth trade and was thinking, all right, I'm done with this book for a while. Well, and now, you know, Walk, Walking Dead is the antithesis of what we're so geared to reading in mainstream comics where, you know, people for the most part are safe. And, um, you know, Spider-Man is going to be Spider-Man. And, you know, the X-Men, yeah, it's, it's kind of a joke that Jean Grey dies and comes back all the time. But mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's not really that true. It's happened a few times. But uh, um, you know, I don't think that we're necessarily geared for reading comics where um, it, there's so much mortality to it. And so, yeah, it's, it's a totally different mindset that you have to get into. It's just one of the things about indie comics that that I love is that there is there's really a sense of of danger with these characters. Mm-hmm. You you pick up Spider Man and you know at the end of it, Spider Man may change his character a little bit, but he's he's not gonna get killed and mm-hmm. he's gonna go on to the next one. There's no, you know, real sense of danger a lot of the time. But independent comics, you know, that's it's a little bit different. You know, there's there's a feeling of danger. Right. And and when it comes right down to it, the the narrative in Walking Dead is very much like the zombies that inhabit the book. It's this slow, lumbering beast that takes its time to get to you, or when when Kirkman thinks it's ready. But once those, I mean, there's always the potential for danger when there's a zombie in your yard, and and it's just that when it gets close enough, when the time is right, you either, you know, it, that's when the action happens, and and that's Walking Dead in a nutshell. It, it takes its time to get there, but when it gets there, brother, it pays off big. Uh, the, uh, I won't reveal any names, but that one scene where the outcome of the two individuals that tried to do something on their own without telling another individual, the, the, the culmination of that person's efforts, oh my God, that was brutal. It was like, it was like Kirkman said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, Sh- uh, to uh, throw you in face first into death and rub your face in it not only once but like three times just this unbelievably brutal scene that just knocked me on my ass it was a great great book yeah good stuff yeah and guess what in order to keep tiki out of the hospital we should call <laughs> it a, a a a day with this one all right we did get a couple questions uh pm'd uh to me from forum member Azenfist, and we're going to cover those next time for sure. And I'll be back uh, drinking next week. Yeah, we ran a little right. long this time, and well, we had a lot to talk about with Chicago, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about next time. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I always, I always look forward to Wednesday night with you guys. You betcha. Hell Everybody yeah, have yeah. a good 4th of July. Rest in peace, Mike. Yeah. Same here. Thanks for the work. Couldn't say it better myself. Read Witchblade. Yay! Read Witchblade. Uh, there you go. You got a Mike. You got a Mike Turner link there too. Cool. We'll see you next week, guys. Bye bye. Take care.
now I see.